What's going on, everyone? It's Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast, looking at legal cannabis across the map and beyond. Today, joined by special guest Nishant Reddy of a Golden State Cannabis out of California. How are you doing today, Nishant? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me, Mitch. Likewise, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining, gracing us with your time, man. Uh, excited to dig in with this. I remember um, I was telling you a little bit offline. You know, we used to do this thing called the West Coast Weed Tour. I'm from Washington and uh, spent a lot of time driving through the West Coast markets years back. I mean, I still do, but years back. And I remember seeing your guys' packaging and it definitely the, the stacked lettering on the box really stood out. Everything was real clean. So I'm excited to to meet with with the man. I'm sure, I was, you know, the figurehead, but I know there's a whole team probably behind you. But, you know, the, the man behind the brand, man. Definitely. I mean, I can't I definitely can't take credit without the team. You know how it goes. It's every single person showing up every single day is what really allows this business to happen and ultimately what makes a golden state a golden state. Awesome. So I start every episode off with um, my guest origin story around the plant, the plant being cannabis. That could be personal. It could be professional, a mix of both, whatever you choose to be vulnerable. I just like to start off with this to just help break the stigma for people to relate to just people's relationship to the plant. I, I think it's important to put an emphasis on that on the start before we dig into the industry. So I'm kind of curious uh, when your journey started with cannabis. Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. And I think that allowing people to know where the connectivity of the plant, I think is a really authentic way. And I think for me, cannabis has been a really inspirational, powerful plant in my life. You know, the first time I consumed cannabis was a summer between eighth and ninth grade. Um, for better or worse, right, depending who you ask, have been a loyal cannabis consumer since that time. You know, for me, it's been an extremely inspirational, positive element of my life. You know, I can think back from, you know, using it in high school, all my times at my favorite concerts, college, after finals, whatever, you know, it's it's been such a positive, you know, every memory I have is one where cannabis really enhanced whatever I was doing. More chances than not, it was just making things more fun. It was enjoyable, you know, and then as I got older, my usage kind of started to change from, you know, just being a recreational consumer to someone who is now using cannabis medicinally, right? Whether or not I really recognize it or appreciate it at the time, but, you know, I was now a professional working on Wall Street. And at that time, you know, cannabis was extremely stigmatized and Wall Street, New York kind of culture. And it was a very booze heavy culture. And that really didn't vibe with me. You know, I played college sports. I've really been someone who's focused on health and wellness and a fan of plant medicine. And so for me, when I was working those hundred hour, you know, work days on a trading floor, it didn't make sense to burn it on both ends and go drink, right? Like that really wasn't conducive to higher work product, a happier self, a more fulfilled self, or really just having the fuel and the gas tank to do this day in and day out and continue to succeed. So for me, cannabis was something that helped me with my insomnia. It helped me with my anxiety, with my stress relief, and ultimately was like a compliment to like the really, really intense work I needed to do day in and day out for the better part of a 10 year career. Um, that obviously allowed me to catapult myself from a recreational consumer to a medicinal consumer. And through that journey, really just understand more about cannabis, what made it special, a deeper understanding of cannabinoids and terpenes, and why was I feeling the things I was feeling? Why was it helping me? That ultimately fortuitously led me in to start working with California dispensaries. 
helping them to get financing in the early days of a medical market here in California, which then led me to um, develop cultivations in Oregon, pursue a degree in horticulture, um, which I haven't completed yet, but also pursue a degree in cannabis cultivation. And then ultimately to start building the infrastructure that would lead to a golden state here in California. So it's been a full 360, man, as a connoisseur, as a consumer, to now as an entrepreneur CEO within the space. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I always appreciate people sharing their journey, but also, you know, what stood out to me in that is talking about how you, the transition from a recreational to a medical consumer and, and less about like the more of the intent of why you're consuming, but like harnessing or harnessing the intent, but becoming self-aware. And there's a couple people I've talked to on, the, on this pod, on our podcast that have said, you know, very various things of like every cannabis consumer is a little bit med medicinal and a little bit recreational. You know, there's depends on the use, but whether mm -hmm. we like it or not, we receive these medicinal benefits from this plant. And and whether we're using it recreationally, oh, I want to unwind and relax. And it's like, but there's a medicinal component almost to that relaxation, right? 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's like you said, it's really just perception, right? We, we define ourselves in the early part of our cannabis consumption as just getting high, like a recreational component. But to your point, like you said, we are at the same time, you know, pursuing a medicinal benefit, we just may not be defining that or realizing mm -hmm. it. I think now that I've gotten older, it's more aware to me. And even like, for example, like the type of cannabis cons I use, right? I was such a heavy sativa user for the better part of my like cannabis journey. And now as again, a busy CEO, a father with a kid that's a year old, you know, a husband, I'm managing all these different things. I start to realize like, hey, maybe I don't need that sativa. You know, maybe a hybrid at the end of a workday is exactly what I need. Maybe an indica is exactly what I need. And I think again, that really leads to your your transition from just a recreational consumer to now one that's truly able to like navigate the medicinal benefits and how that's complementing your individual mm -hmm. use case. Because again, we're all changing and evolving through life. How we use cannabis through that journey should also be evolving with ourselves. Absolutely. And it's funny, I was reading an interview, uh, uh, one of your interviews a couple of days ago when I was preparing for this. Uh, and he was talking about how you were, I was reading this question about, it was something, I can't remember what the question was, but it was like, what do you personally consume? And you were like describing yourself, like I'm a high energy, I, I work a lot, something to that fact. And I was like, okay, my man's going to say, I need an indica to calm me down. And you were like, no, nah, I prefer a sativa to enhance that. And I was like, that's the opposite, because that's the opposite of where a lot of people, a lot of people mm -hmm. are like, I'm this way. And I try and bring myself where you were like, I use this to enhance. And I thought that was like really a unique and a nice, like, like just back to your perception and, and understanding of why you consume. So I thought that was really, uh, really unique. Yeah, it's cool, man. I think as we talk about just the evolution of the industry and, you know, you've seen this in Washington, just, you know, your own shift in getting up to 20, 25% THC as the standard and then it kind of correcting over the last couple of years, you know, here in California, we're still so obsessed, you know, mm -hmm. at 30% THC and da, 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 da. And it's like, you know, it's this evolution and people just becoming more informed and understanding, like, what are they actually looking for? You know, what is the feeling they're looking for? Right. Like, what are we actually trying to enhance and what is, what are we doing in that moment? And, you know, you might use a sativa at this point in the day and you might use an indica at that point of the day. And I think that's the power of, you know, 
an innovative recreational cannabis market is that we are learning so much more and it's just straight up weed isn't weed you know like that's such an archaic way of thinking yeah yeah it's, it's a lot of things to a lot of different people in a lot of different situations um so i, I want to take it a little bit back um you know you gave us a, a your start when we were talking about the journey into cannabis um you've been around for a while but i'm kind of curious the start of a golden state um you know i know that you you know from my understanding of some things i read was looking to start a brand that kind of represented a little bit more than just cannabis and then you kind of mentioned even earlier in this like the wellness routine and, and how you've gotten into that and I, I if i remember correctly in another interview we were talking about creating a brand that kind of fit into that category um it doesn't outwardly look like the stereotypical like hey we're gonna build something and slap like images of yoga and like call it a wellness right it's a very clean well-represented product so i'm just kind of curious your original inspiration um for the brand of getting a golden state alive to market yeah i mean it honestly is a very authentic story right like again i've been a connoisseur and a consumer for the better part of my life and so when i made that transition from a consumer to now an entrepreneur within the industry the only thing that was driving me at first was like i want to create products that i actually want to use right like i have a discerning palette i want the best i want the best high that's what i'm going to pursue to go create right and then coupled with the natural love of design and you know branding it all kind of came full circle for me design you know when you look at a golden state you talked about some of the branding elements the packaging for me not only is it beautiful but it's a way to I'll help destigmatize cannabis, right? If I can create beautiful products and, you know, there's been situations, you know, anecdotally, we were at a, at a cannabis event and Chris Jenner showed up and she looked at a Golden State's packaging and she was like, what? This packaging is so beautiful. You're telling me there's drugs inside of here? You know, and it was, it was funny because it was like, this is someone who's, again, a very well-known celebrity who doesn't use cannabis, but was suddenly able to go from whatever perception she had to being like, wow, this is beautiful. I can't believe this. I'm aligned with this brand. And now I have a completely different perception of how I'm going to interact with this. And I'm not coming at this being like, oh, this is weed, right? And that's just one anecdotal case. And so for me, it's really that 360 approach of we lead with product quality, because like I said, as a connoisseur myself, I want to be able to stand behind every single product we create. And I want to be able to authentically tell the market, I use every single product we create. I am involved in the testing process. My head of cultivation is as well. And if we don't sign off on it, it is never going to come out into the market as a golden state. And the second element of that is, we we really believe in design and so we use this as a way to elevate our brand and elevate the messaging and the stigma and the imagery of cannabis and letting people know cannabis is something beautiful cannabis should be on your coffee table no different than your favorite candle your favorite coffee table book you don't need to hide it when your friends or your parents come over this is something you can be proud of no different than your wine collection no different than your cigar collection you know why is this any different it's not right and so we do everything we can do to help you know lubricate that for people i, I love that and I, and I definitely feel like it's working there's a couple brands i feel like 
that I've seen across the country that have kind of fit that mold of, of just simply breaking the stigma by the packaging of looking like your regular, you know, not your regular, but it's something that fit right in with the rest of your consumer packaged goods, right? Or, or things that you would find in a house fit in and not stand out and outwardly scream, this is cannabis, but it is cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. So regardless of that, it, like you said, it's that buffer to help people introduce people to that. And there, there, I, there's a much needed aspect of that. Another thing that I read was that kind of this thought process behind the name of Golden State was more of it's like a mindset. So I'm curious if you could, I, I'm not, I'm not 100% certain yeah. or, or in, in tune with all that. So if you can kind of break that, that down for me. Absolutely, man. So, you know, myself and my co-founder, Rob Masterson, who's our head of cultivation, I mean, you know, we've been in this industry a long time and Rob has been cultivating at the highest level here in California for the better part of 15 years. You know, we were winning awards in the medical days, you know, um, Zookies, which is a pretty well-known genetic was something that we created. So again, in the modern day of recreational cannabis, there's a lot of companies, brands, MSOs that, you know, like it or not, they've kind of parachuted out of nowhere. You know, they maybe see the dollar signs, they see an opportunity. There's nothing wrong in that, right? Like that is how an industry grows. That's a natural evolution. But for someone like myself, I do put a lot of weight in the authenticity of a story. And I do put a lot of weight in the people who are behind the creation of a product. For example, like the people cultivating your cannabis, in my mind, should have a lot of experience and knowledge with cultivating cannabis, right? Whether it's their knowledge of navigating genetics, breeding, you know, handling different strains, you know, if they don't have that, then you're not really pursuing the, the, the purest, highest level of cannabis, right? And so for Rob and I, we wanted to create a brand that paid homage to our California roots, to the fact that, hey, we've been doing this at an award-winning level far before cannabis went rec legal in California. And we want everyone to know that. But at the same time, we want to emphasize that we're proud of where we're from. We're proud of the California marketplace. Um, we believe that the California marketplace is a gem ball for a lot of the rest of the country. And at the same time, a golden state embodies all of that, right? Obviously, we're a golden state. This is the a golden state. You know, it's telling you that we have legacy cannabis roots at the highest level. But furthermore, we believe that premium cannabis is something that everybody should have exposure and access to. It shouldn't be something that only if you can afford it, should you be able to partake in it. And if you look at the portfolio of brands that we own, we have premium cannabis at every single price point. The difference is, you know, how exotic are the genetics? How long and hard is it for us to cultivate that? Obviously, a golden state is that top of the top halo brand where you're seeing genetics that no one else has, the most exotic stuff. And that's, you know, the highest and best representation of who we are as a company, as cultivators and as connoisseurs. And it's letting our consumers know that, again, we didn't just show up yesterday. We've been doing this for a very long time. We believe in what we do. We have the experience. We have the genetic library. And again, if we don't like it, if we don't actually use it, it's never going to hit the shelves. And that's kind of, you know, that's that that's that consistency and accountability you get from coming and buying a Golden State. Man, I, I love that. I love that approach. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned, obviously, you know, being named after the state where you guys are from, California, and you mentioned it, right? Like California is the spring bed for cannabis. It's even though recreational, it's it's you know it's the last one on the what touching the Pacific, uh, the Pacific Ocean to to touch recreational. 
cannabis, but it clearly is kind of the mecca of breeding and the culture of cannabis. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, dare I say the business behind like brands and branding, right? Whether people want to agree with that statement, fight me over it. I don't really care. You know, I live in the Pacific Northwest. I'd love to champion home, but I think California, you know, for right or for wrong is, is the spotlight is on California when you're talking about cannabis. I'm curious from your perspective of being in that market for so long, where do you kind of envision or, or how do you see California sitting in the greater cannabis market in general? And what, what place does it hold for cannabis in general? I think, you know, obviously all of the things you just touched on, I wholeheartedly believe in. And I think, you know, again, it's not a comparison. It's not a better or worse, like props to all of the states on the West Coast, because I think they're all amazing, innovative, free market states. And they all produce some pretty fire products and have a lot of talent within their states. But with that being said, you can't ignore the fact that California is one of the largest economies and just markets in the world, cannabis or traditional product. So when you just look at that and you look at the competition, you look at the dollars at stake, you look at the investment dollars, you look at the you know intellectual horsepower innovation, I think that's really where the power of California is. Unfortunately, you know, the state has made a lot of mistakes in this transition from medical to recreational. And I think that the reality of it is California could be sitting as the leader within the U.S. market. And unfortunately, I think they've kind of blown that. Right. I think you're seeing that in kind of the distress that's happening here. You're seeing that in kind of the economy of the California cannabis market. You're seeing that in the hardships that operators are facing. But that doesn't stop the things you're talking about, genetic breeding, innovation, brand creation, investment dollars, you know, all of that stuff. You just hope that the state gets it and turns this around in the next couple of years. But you're seeing a lot of the stuff that's successful here now start moving across the country into other markets. Absolutely. And that's that's when, uh, you know, in the, in the music realm, man, your, your home base is is where you make a lot of money. But usually there's this point as you're building as an artist where you got to build your hometown, your best draw, but you start getting better opportunities or, or I'll say easier checks maybe out, outside of town. And then eventually it starts strengthening back home. But there's some weird parallels in, in springboarding a music career for that I see in cannabis with these brands. Man. Yeah. And I, I think, like you said, man, like, listen, the reality of it is like bureaucrats are bureaucrats, right? Like they focus on things one dimensionally, like, oh, we're just going to legalize cannabis. We don't really need to get into the weeds. We don't really need to make sure it's perfect. We don't really need to solve banking or a black market or any of this stuff, but we're going to have legalized cannabis and it's just going to work, right? Like that's kind of nonsensical. And like, that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing the result of that. Mm. Obviously for this industry here in the largest market in the world, for it to be right size and heading in the right direction, the state needs to get their act together. You know, the sooner they do that, the better, but that's not going to stop all the tremendous work that's happening here. Unfortunately, it's going to put pressure on the operators that aren't as buttoned up, right? It's going to make it harder for them to survive this next, you know, 12 to 24 months. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and on that and building a brand, right? Like one of the things I want to ask you is like diversifying, you know, your, the product categories you're in, obviously you guys have flower, um, I'm familiar with the vapes. Like you guys, you guys do concentrates, just concentrates as well too, right? Yeah. So not with the golden state, we do it with our other brand mantle, um, okay. a golden state. We have the solventless oil pens that are out now, 
Um, we're doing, you know, um, all natural vegan edibles as well and other like fast acting dissolvables, but we don't have a dedicated extraction line, concentrate line at a Golden State. Not to That's say right. that it might, not in the future, but right now the solventless oil pens are kind of where we're focusing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to get to that in just one second, but I'm curious kind of the, uh, you know, the thought process of building out, having these multiple brands of like, obviously you define kind of a golden state is this quality it's got to hit a certain level um but beyond that of just like you know moving from flour to vapor or expanding to you know edibles in these different categories what does it take for you to understand like all right there's a new product offer first of all like what is the kind of that, that inspiration of hey we want to do a new product line and we want to fit it under the same brand name and then kind of what's the process to make sure it still fits the mold of what you wanted to create for the brand uh, you know the origin of that brand so i think first and foremost it's discipline right it's patience and it's discipline because for us we chose to focus on flower in the beginning because obviously we believe that flour is the building block of all other cannabis products right and if we could solidify ourselves at the best at cultivating whole flour then not only would people see us they would recognize us they would trust us and then that would be the best starting point right the input into anything else right when we talk about concentrates or manufacturing input in is input out right you can't take crap flour and magically extract it into like you know triple a full melt type product that's just not how it works so we patiently focused on solidifying ourselves as the best in terms of cultivation genetics whole flower and then through that again we we focus on our focus right we're not manufacturers by trade so it's a slow process to then go find a partner who could help us on the manufacturing front that can you know, stay true to what is a golden state. It has to be solventless. It has to be focused on purity. It has to be focused on full spectrum. You know, the closest resemblance of what that product is as a flower has to be the concentrate form. And then if that takes us one year or two years to make that happen at a golden state, we don't rush. If it's not a hundred percent, I won't use it and I won't sign off on it. And that's just kind of the life cycle of a golden state. There's a lot of different things we want to do, but we only move at the speed in which that perfection is achieved. If it's not achieved, then you're never going to see that skew on a shelf space represented by a golden state. And th that makes sense. Starting with the flower. I, I like how you said it builds even the trust, right? Cause I've heard some people talk about, oh, we want to start with the flower because we can grow flour. That's the basis of everything. But I like what you said on the consumer end. If a consumer can trust our flour, then that's for sure an easy opening to get them to trust other products. Because I can, I'm, I'm, a, you know, flour dominates the market. Me personally, I mean, I consume all product types, but for sure flour. So that definitely, you know, anyone vape or anything, if they grow flour and I like it, I'm always, yeah, sure, I'll give their vape a shot, and then hopefully, yeah. <laughs> exactly and you know for us we the flower defines our mindset right like it was easy for us to know okay we're, we're, we're focusing on the top one percent of flour we if we're going to do a concentrate it has to be solventless hmm. solventless is the only thing that would make sense in terms of telling the story of a golden state right and so we don't color manipulate we don't add terpenes and if you look at our concentrates we're getting like 96 97 percent cannabinoid and terpene profiles you know that are basically identical to the whole flower you know every skew we do at a golden state is based off of whole flower we don't use blends we don't use smalls 
Our, our oils are made from single source, whole flour, fresh frozen. Our pre-rolls are whole flour, finished by hand, organic hemp joints. Our eights are whole flour. Each and every jar is inspected by hand. So you're getting that premium like quality and consistency at every single touch point. That's what makes a golden state. And as you've seen in Washington, like that's what's going to make us intrinsically an artisanal craft brand, mm -hmm. right? Like we're not trying to be the biggest guy in the space because if we are, that's immediately going to make us, you know, sacrifice what our mission is. Absolutely. And, and being, being, being the biggest at the end of the day, in my opinion, is just who has the deeper, deep, deepest pockets. You know what I mean? And that's, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a game I always say is a, is a hard one to win because there's always someone with more. Um, but when it comes to that love, that candor and really caring about things, that's, you know, that's a, I won't say it's an easier game to win, but there's less people really, you know, going after that and really putting the dedication. And it makes sense to you ex expanding on that, why the rosin, the solvent list makes sense as the extension of Golden State. So I'm curious, these new, the, the rosin vape pens that are coming out, what it, what was the R&D? You know, I know you said you were part of the R&D. What was the R&D that went into that? Because I know there's people out there still trying to figure out. You know, how do you translate that flavor? How do you get rosin to work with these, you know, the, the vape, the heating components and everything to work in a consistent experience? So what, what was that R&D process like for you? Yeah. So, yeah. And and like you said, I, I am very involved in every single aspect of innovation and visionary side, because, again, if it's if it's not something I like or I use, then it will never come out. And oftentimes we're creating stuff that, you know, I want to be a representation of the brand. And then I'm working with my leaders, my head of cultivation, my head of development. And we're again, not cutting any corners till we find that perfect product. So here it was, you know, first we needed to find a manufacturer that we could work with. That was the starting process, right? There, that was really hard, man. Like there's not a lot of guys doing solventless at a very, very high level. And then the ones that are, it doesn't mean that they have their ducks in a row as a partner, right? It doesn't mean that it's someone that you actually want to do business with. And you see that a lot in the cannabis industry. And what I call that is drag, right? Like if we're suddenly in bed doing business with someone who's not as buttoned up as us, all it's going to do is take us away from our focus and our ability to move forward. And chances are somewhere down that relationship, something's going to get screwed up, right? We're going to get frustrated. They're going to get frustrated. A product isn't going to be as good as it's supposed to be. So like the hardest part at first is finding those partners you actually want to trust and work with. I think once we were able to find that, that took a very long time to be perfectly transparent. When we found that, then it was really like, okay, let's start fresh frozen um, with a bunch of our genetics, start washing them, seeing what strains wash better and why, understanding that, and then backing into, okay, from that washing result yield process, which strains do we think are the best for the market, right? You know, I wanted to lead with the sativa indica and a hybrid just for obvious reasons. Um, so then it was that, which ones washed the best, putting that together. And then from there, um, you know, now start working on yield testing. And then again, we don't do any color manipulation or we don't add any terpene. So what you see is what you get, you know, it's our whole flower input in is what you get at the end. And so that was the whole process. And then, you know, working very, very hands-on with our manufacturing partner and then 
final results. We're just picking which ones we thought were the best, trying them in our custom pens, making sure that they were running well. You know, it's a solventless oil. It's really like a jelly sauce. So because mm -hmm. that thick viscous consistency, you really need the right hardware that won't clog, won't leak, that will heat properly. You need to really mess with your ohm and your aperture to make sure that it's dialed properly. And for us, you know, we're boutique brand focusing on experience. So it's really about, you know, the terpene profile, the smoke, the flavor, the consistency. We're not necessarily chasing giant billow clouds as a standard of quality. You can get as high as you want with a pen, but our analogy is like, this is really like really fine sipping tequila or a really nice bourbon or whiskey. You can drink as much as you want. You're going to get drunk and buzzed at the end of it, but you should probably be enjoying the process, mm -hmm. not just slamming it from a solo cup, you know? Yeah, yeah. You could take it, you could just take a dab, a hot dab to the face <laughs> if that's what you want to accomplish. Yeah. No, no, I, I like that. And so I, another thing I, I remember reading about your guys is, uh, you know, some, some of your SOPs around fresh frozen and you guys have an importance, I think even a timeline of when you ch chop stuff down to get it frozen. Uh, could you expand a little bit on the process to just ensuring that you guys have the right product to, like you said, I know you're growing the right product, but what goes into creating those SOPs um, on whether it's fresh frozen or the cure, or, you know, to make sure it ends up not going from just great product in, in the pot or in the, in the soil, but great product all the way in, into the bag or the container. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously genetics are the jump off, right? Like you need to have good genetics. You need to have fit genetics. All of our breeding is done in-house. We only cultivate our own proprietary genetics. That's the starting point. We make all of our nutrients in-house. We water all of our plants with snow melt that comes directly from Mount Shasta. So it's traveling over miles of volcanic rock into our facility, no purification, no reverse osmosis, right into our facility at 44 degrees. So you're getting this like mineral enriched water interacting with these amazing, healthy, fit plants. That's obviously producing something special. You know, at the end of the day, this is this is agriculture, right? It's small batch agriculture, analogous to say a farmer's market. You know, and then from there, it's 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 harvesting at peak potency for us. That's give or take a week before we normally would cut it immediately going into a freezer, um, you know, 20 degrees or so right into a sub zero freezer and then immediately starting that extraction process. So, again, there's no room left for error and it's it's airtight from the growing process to the start of the freezing process to then every subsequent process of the full spectrum extraction right so we're lucky with we have the highest quality input and we're able to truly get a full spectrum output you know use all the different filtration bags you know um, ice water heat pressure that's it and then we're getting a five to six star full melt full burn product before we even take it to the press so again you can really see that consistency and quality along the entire way which is pretty freaking remarkable and then when you see the high like i told you we're getting 96 97 98 percent you know cannabinoid and terpene profiles and our um, thc is anywhere from 80 to 82 percent on the strains mm -hmm. that we've taken to market so again very very identical to the actual flower and then you're getting more robust, unique highs because you're actually burning more of the plant instead of just combusting, you know, from zero to fire, if you will. Yep. Yep. And, and honestly, that's me. You know, me personally, I'm not a big concentrate. I'm not a big dabber, but rosin is what made me that, you know, personally took me in there because when you get some rosin that smells just like the plants, like 
I don't know. I always tell people it's like hard to say this. <laughs> it's hard to say no. But I mean, to your guys' point, it's just being intentional uh, about that process, being very just just having the goal, having those SOPs set. Um, another thing I, I know that you guys do is very active in just social justice and, and giving back and, and adding different components, um, even to your guys' hiring practices, if I believe correctly. So I'm curious if you could kind of expand on on a Golden State's involvement in just doing, you know, not just doing right by the plant, but by doing right by the culture and kind of the the history of, of where this this, you know, the, the plant has, has been. Yeah. I mean, listen, man, I think it's in, it's like it's at the root of cannabis, right? Like for me, I've told you about my journey. I'm sure your journey is similar. So like if I'm just being straight up, I personally think it's pretty effed up to see other people do it any other way because i think it's 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 not true to what this plant is you know this has been a beautiful medicinal plant for like thousands of years it's kind of effed up to just corporatize and you know do it any other way right so that's really been the mission statement for us you know it, it really leads from our own journey my own journey of what the plant has been for me and all of the amazing things that it's done for my life and so as a result, like I view this as my social corporate responsibility. It's far greater than just making money. I create the best products, consistency, transparency. I want my consumers to be happy. I sign off on every single product. You know, I use them personally. You know, that that's how I hold the company to the highest possible standard. And that's how the consumer knows, you know, we're authentically true to the products we create, you know. Um, furthermore, we're one of the only large scale national minority owned cannabis companies that are really operating at this level and at this level of quality production, right? In a state as saturated as California, you know, we're considered one of the top three, if not the best consistent cultivator in the state. It's pretty remarkable to be doing this as a minority owned company. So again, from my own personal journey as a minority in this country, I can't forget everybody else, whether it's women whether it's people, you know, uh, people of color, whether it's any protected class, whether it's people that are incarcerated in prison, we're all the same, you know? And so I use my platform and I use my companies to really, you know, advocate and do change firsthand, you know, whether it's supporting the ACLU, we gave 3% of our revenue for the last several years to the ACLU, whether it's the fact that the majority of our management is female, whether it's the fact that we were the first and only carbon neutral cultivation in California. Now, every single company we own and operate, including a Golden State, is carbon neutral, hmm. you know, across the board. You know, in COVID, we gave three to five percent of our revenue to minority hospitals in communities that were disproportionately affected by COVID. And again, it's like we're a very profitable company. We've been profitable since the first year we started. All this is telling you is that you can do all of these things and be successful so if anybody tells you you can't it's bullshit. Hmm. you know and to me this is the way people need to view cannabis whether you're a user or not this is just me holding myself and my companies responsible to tell this story the right way man uh, that, that is that is poetry i think that's that's very admirable and and you know it's like you said it shouldn't it should really not be any other way. Sadly, a, a lot of it is is not that way. But someone someone else had said that. I don't know if I read it on LinkedIn or I saw it somewhere. But they said, you know, you can't talk about cannabis legalization without talking about kind of correcting some of the wrongs that have been done. Like it's not two different conversations. You know, in, in a lot of these states, like up here in Washington, when we pass recreational cannabis, it's like, hey, let's just get it passed. We'll figure out that other shit later. 
We started talking about social equity when it when it was a a buzzword, you know, a a, a, yeah. a a nice nice thing to parade around for you to feel, you know, look at us doing good. You know, they weren't they weren't talking about it until it was that sort of a thing. Um, so I like it. You know, I, I just tip my hat to you, sir, for for just making sure and or just analyzing that that these conversations are one and the same. They're not separate and just making sure the business is set up that way from the start. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you fight the good fight this way, man, then you're only going to show people that weed is awesome. Weed is positive and this industry is positive and the people that work in this industry are awesome. And, you know, hopefully year after year, we continue to trend in the right direction and hopefully bureaucrats catch up. And then, you know, in our lifetime, these will be conversations of the past and we'll be in a completely different world when that is i don't know i can just do my part every single day to make sure that that happens hell yeah i love that what what, what else does a golden state have uh, or these other brands that you have under under your belt what, what else do you guys have planned for for 2022 yeah so for us it's lot it's just expansion man it's you know we've got the oils that have hit the shelves they've they've Loan. You know, we sold out super fast in LA. We're now expanding into San Diego and uh, NorCal. The shops that have gotten them have already sold out. So again, post Vapegate, it's really exciting to see people come back and connect with the vaporizer, let alone really understand the value of solventless. Like I said, we're also launching our, you know, all natural vegan edibles, other fast acting dissolvables. Um, we've got, you know, two other brands in the market, Phases and Mantle. Mantle being a concentrate brand, Phases being another flower brand. Um, and then we're going to be creating a fourth brand. And on top of that, it's, you know, it's continuing to focus on a national expansion. You know, when we get into other states, we really like to own our infrastructure because, again, that's the only way I can ensure consistency and quality across the supply chain. You know, I don't believe in just licensing deals because, again, why would I trust my brand, something that we built from scratch to some operator in another state just because I want to make 10 to 15 percent? There's no way they have this, the know how that my team does here in California. So I'd rather build a team from scratch, own the operations and give people what they know and love of a golden state in every single market, regardless of where it's at. Hmm. Staying, staying true from, culti- from the cultivation to what's in the bag, man, making sure it's right. Yeah. And doing it our way, you know, like, again, we're not trying to be the biggest. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to be in every market. And the last thing we're ever going to do is sacrifice product quality. So we're going to do it our way. We're going to stay true to us and, you know, just continue to do this day by day, you know, brick by brick kind of thing. I love that, man. Brick by brick. That's one of my favorite phrases. Um, For people out there looking for more information, a goldenstate.com at Instagram at a goldenstate. Um, Shot, really thank you for for blessing us with your time, sharing your journey and some insight into the market. Is there anything else you want to say to the people before I get you up out of here? No, it was a pleasure, Mitch. I really appreciate the opportunity and um, would love to chat with you guys anytime. And for everyone out there, I appreciate all the support and the love you've shown a Golden State and wishing you guys all the best. Awesome. This is the North American Weed Tour podcast. We'll be back later this week with more interviews, more content. We are looking at the best in legal cannabis across the country. Uh, we're actually going to get back out on the road here after a couple of weeks of, of being stuck in our respective homes. So follow us, stay tuned, and we'll see you guys soon.